0: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, and I am going to begin by apologizing in advance for any background noise you might hear. Um, Got a little bit of a window malfunction.
1: Yeah, very breezy podcast studio today.
0: Um, So we have a lot of hot breeze coming in. It's 90-something outside. And then we have uh, the AC trying to fight that. So we are very energy inefficient in here right now. Um, But I do apologize if you hear any wind, Pentecost-like wind in the background. I am joined here in the studio by Jason, as you heard, and my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, um, who looks very excited to be (laughs) getting started. Um, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network, I encourage you to check out 1517.org, lots of great resources, um, and you can head over there and find them all in one convenient spot. And our topic today, last time we did the Bible, nice narrow topic, you know, we can kind of really get at it um, all at once. Uh, our topic for today, we decided to pick up going along those lines, we got some Good feedback on the Bible one, so maybe sometimes the topics that seem a little simple um, or broad uh, can, can play out all right. We'll see if we can have that be the case today with the topic of God, right? We'll be talking about um, kind of who is God from the Christian perspective, of course. I would say not just perspective. <clears throat> we believe we are confessing the truth. Yeah. Um. But uh, maybe misconceptions people have about God, things that we need to understand about God um, if we want to uh, truly understand him as he is, stuff like that. We're going to go ahead and skip a free-for-all um, because uh, Michael has uh, places to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, oh, Jason, you didn't have a topic. No. And so we're going to go ahead and skip the free-for-all and we'll make our way... Right to the main topic. Uh, would you mind, Michael, uh, giving us the disclaimer before we do so?
2: This show doesn't speak for our churches, or church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
0: And that brings us to our main topic. And so, once again, we will be talking about God. And I, I frame the Bible one a little bit, and I'll try to do that with God, and then I will toss it to you guys. Um, but we, uh, I would say we, we live in a, uh, a Western society that when you hear God, uh, you definitely um, are thinking monotheism, right? And I would say, for most people, you're thinking uh, one of three gods um, s- some people would say they're all the same God, which would be either the God of Christianity, uh, the God of Islam, or the God of Judaism, right? And there, there will be a number who will say that's all the, the same, the same God. Um, but there's also then, lots of conceptions about God, that are more um, cultural than textual, um, and by that I mean, whether that be textual regarding. The Christian scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, or uh, the Quran, right? Uh, The kind of white bearded guy in the sky. Um, The West has had its share of Deism, kind of the the watchmaker who wound stuff up, and you know now he kind of sits back. Um, the The spirit in the sky, right? This uh, not an embodied God. Um, a lot of times Jesus then is pictured as just example, teacher, philosopher, <clears throat> a God who, um, operates kind of like, uh, um, lady justice and pictured with scales, but un- he gets a, a worse rap than, than lady justice who is seen if the punishment fits the crime. That's what those scales are for. But often pictured as kind of weighing your good against your bad to see which one, um, consists of, uh. Greater quantity of, of works, um, a God who is often an abstraction, an idea, which means he's subject to our speculations um, or our preferences. Um, a God often relegated to the private sphere. Um, right. This is this is a God that we're fine with having, but you have yours and I have mine, and let's let's keep it to ourselves.
2: Or if he comes out, he comes out as a politician.
0: Right. Um, and I would get at that. Um, a God who is sometimes not unlike, was as was often the case um, with Old Testament gods, is tied to a nation. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so a God conflated um, with my homeland or with my politics, uh, maybe my sports team. Uh, but they are going to be a lot connected to God. Um you can have the, uh, the atheists who think they are witty who compare him to, what is it, the spaghetti monster or something in the sky as if he's just a figment of imagination, right? A God who um, is just purely metaphysical speculation. Uh, a God, according to Marx, who is a crutch or an opiate for the people. There can be all these views of, of God. And our goal is not to break down um, who God is in Judaism or who God is in Islam, uh, but as, uh, I would say, two and a half Christians, at least in this room, Hmm. (laughs) uh, to to talk about as uh, theologians, as pastors, and as people who are in relation to God and have been since birth by very nature of being human. Um, who is God as he has revealed himself to us and made, him know, made himself known? Um, so kind of maybe to what are some of the misconceptions we need to get rid of? And what are some of the things maybe as we've grown, um, not just in age and stature, uh, but in our experience of God in the word? in the sacraments, and then in life, um, that we've grown to appreciate about God, that maybe um, we haven't always appreciated as much as we ought. And so with that, out of any of the things I threw out there, anything either of you would like to begin with?
2: Michael. Sure. Were um, you we raising your hand? or were you? I, I was deferring, but that's okay. <laughs> Michael did a very hard-to-understand gesture.
0: His, <laughs> he didn't have, like, one finger. He had his whole hand, but then he tilted it. <clears throat>
1: Oh, but, I didn't get the this part. It, but it was kind of like a a, a circular tilt. It was, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Anyway. But um
2: I kind of like your idea of, of being tied to to a tribe or nation or whatever. I think when when I in a very simplistic way try to explain to the freshman about oh, all these gods that we come across in, in the in the Old Testament and to think about their gods t- being tied to a locality, and I'll say it's like your it's like your sports team, right? So, if you're from the north side of Chicago, you're the Cubs. If you're on the south side, you're the White Sox. If you move from the south side to the north side, you may become a Cubs fan, but you don't think that the White Sox don't exist anymore. In fact, you may cheer for both. You may switch allegiances. You may stay with the White Sox, whatever. But and that that seems kind of a, a trivial way to think about it, but I think that's actually helpful that. Like if you did move to a new town, you would sort of be maybe like a pseudo fan of this town. It's not you know, or the sports team. It's not your your number one one or whatever. But it's a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay attention to it. You know, even if you're not a sports fan, you know, you know the the biggest players. You know where they play. You know their logo. You know you know it's part of the culture. And so, what what Judah is Judaism. What 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 abraham and moses were 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 speaking was that there actually was only one god and that was quite that was quite a big deal so when you read in particular in the psalms like you know our god yahweh is better than all the other gods you're kind of like are are you even it seems to be like if you admit their their uh, existence that you that they actually exist well that's not what the the, the psalmist is saying just saying like in this context right here where you have all these gods, let me tell you about this one thing you all knows there. You've all speculated about this God, this real God. And to say these other gods are um, false gods in the sense, not that they're figments of your imaginations, although they may be, but like you're trying to get at something, right? And you're, you're, you're fumbling around in the dark. And here is this 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 one God, and so monotheism does take over for a lot of reasons. I think um, a polytheism that was that was really a big part of the the ancient Near East, and that's not just true of the the, the Jewish message, but the Islamic message, right? Fighting yeah. against the polytheism of the the Arabian In many Islam. ways, Islam
0: is monotheism on steroids. Yeah, I
2: mean, yeah, you know. this was like no, this is the big deal. Yeah, right, and. Um, so when you say, uh, when someone says, oh, there's only one God, there's three, you know, there's three Abrahamic religions all praying to the same God, they just have things mixed up. We would say, no, you have, you have made God in a different image. And so it's, you're so inaccurate that it's not God. And yet there's some truth to that, right? They're, they're trying to find this thing that we all know exists, or most of us admit that exists. And, uh... And even
0: so, the Greeks, right, when Paul is at, uh... Yeah. At the Areopagus, right, they... They realize, okay, there's an unknown God. Like, there's there's something out there. There's something
2: out there. They're not just covering their bases, although they are, right? But they're saying there's going to be something up there. And uh, uh, when we think about then, when we think about how how do we describe God? How can we even talk about God? Is a very actually very tricky thing, right? Um, We have to go with his revelation, right? If he calls himself Father, then then we can we can safely speculate a little bit about how he acts like a father uh, having read the scriptures if we didn't have that we would have no right to call him father right? because that's not th- that, that would be creating God in our image and so I think that one of the main to frame, to frame it this way is to say you because you have this, unanswered, this unknown God this unanswered question of, of who, who is this what is this you're you have no other avenue but to create god in your image and so god when he comes to us is all about coming in his own image that he chooses and then saying but you're created in my image not the the other way around right. and and i think that that's helpful to frame some of the old testament stuff you know there it's not like oh they they knew Yahweh and they're like, screw that, we want a different God. That's not please, what they're thinking was. Don't cuss Sorry. <laughs> that was not what they were thinking. <laughs> it's been a rough morning. Yeah. That's not what they were thinking. Um, they're thinking there's other lesser gods or, or maybe Yahweh is on the same level or maybe a little bit below. They're not saying he doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, and that's part of why it was a big
0: deal to capture. When you conquered someone to capture their gods, yep. you weren't capturing their gods simply as like hi, your gods aren't real, you now had those gods so think of like with the Philistines yeah. and they take the Ark of the Covenant, and then they go and they put it with their God with what Dagon whatever um right that there there was something to these things um we, sorry,
2: we won right right mm-hmm. and and because we won then we then you serve us right and that that and now we have
0: Yahweh and we can. Um, and I would say this goes with your idea We can manipulate mm-hmm. him For our benefit
2: And the Philistines learn the hard way that they can't Right, right And
0: so, as does Dagon or whatever his name is yeah.
2: So <laughs> I think it's, it's helpful to he To frame not yes. just The Old Testament But in, a, in an increasingly pluralistic And a polytheism As actually may make a comeback Just yet ki- Kind of culture that we're going into in the future I think it's important to ask the question, how does God choose to image Himself to us? And and of course the, the answer that blows away all other philosophies of the ancient world, including religion, is the incarnation of man dying on the cross, right? And I, I can't help but think about the contrast between uh, the, the golden calf incident and the and the bronze serpent. When God says, don't make graven images, it's not that he was against art or an image of himself. It's just that you guys are going to screw it up. And um, here is the image that I give you, and it's the exact opposite of what you thought, which is then what enters. This is where faith enters, right? Uh, This is not something that I would have rationally come up with, a snake that would save us from snake bites. And certainly not a, a curse, a man cursed on the cross to be the ultimate to the be al- the ultimate glory of God, right? So it's, it's a lot of theology across stuff. And we, we've talked about this before, the you know the difference between being a first article Christian and a second article Christian. The first article Christian, I have a lot of, I, I can put a lot of my stuff onto God there, right? Um, God, God, for the a Amer- Western American, God's a planner. He's got a plan for me. Um, I just got to try to find what Not his plan is. Not too much is. of a
0: planner though. He's only planned some key events. Yeah, yeah. And then he's left a lot of freedom yeah, in there for yeah. me.
2: Um, I'm trying to find... Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a... He's planned the things I want. Yeah. It's um, like a travel agent. Yeah. Where you you are faced with the harsh reality of the cross when you're a second article Christian. Now, of course, we are first, second, and third article Christians. We're not, that's not what I'm saying. just saying, where do I... How do how do I see God? Through what lens do I see God? Well, it's Christological, because that's how He chose to come here, and to be truly Christological would be cross-centered, right? Right. So a lot of this has and and Wade, you like you you like talking about this a lot, or I should say, not talking about this a lot. But the attributes of God, like those are <laughs> those are very difficult. You have to be careful. I well, can point to Scripture and say God said He is this, but those are human terms. And and to 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 put God into this this what amounts often to a caricature is often my God often reflects who I am. Right.
0: And I think that's the and and you hit on it well when you're when you were talking about the areas around Israel, right? They're they're coming up with gods and goddesses and it's not that there's no reason that these gods and goddesses take the shape and the form that they do there's a lot of good reasons rooted in their experience and the land and their language and the culture i would say even some, you got your thing up
2: there i would say sorry <laughs> i would say even some theologically astute things mm-hmm. such as sacrifices and yep god being angry yep very mm-hmm. much so
0: and yet uh i think something you hit on that's important and and to be fair is important for um all of the the big three monotheistic religions, the people of the book, as they can be called in Islam, um Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, but especially for when Christianity talks about revelation, it 's talking about something more maybe than the other two have in mind. Um, Luther recognizes that um it's talking about God um, being bound to and active in the scriptures. Uh, So it's not just revelation like I now go to this text and I am going to figure out who God is like I'm doing a math problem. Um, But rather, that text does things to me. More even than that text um, enabling me to interpret God. God interprets me in that text. And I like that you brought up the image of God because this is right away then. Um, Moses is saying at the beginning of creation. There's this creator-creature dynamic. Um, And so this is in the Old Testament again and again, false gods are mocked as the work of human hands. And right away, Genesis makes clear, there's no shaping of God that happens in Genesis. There's a very intentional shaping of mankind. Um, God breathes into him. Uh, Eve is made from... Uh, his rib from his side and so that the relationship to the word is not merely like a revelation of like learn about God like you do learning about whatever in a biology textbook Um, but that that text is is living and breathing which is what um, those who have um, been true believers in the old testament and the new have always held as far as their relationship to scripture Um, I wanted to hit on two with that And I can throw it to you, Jason or or Mike or whoever. Another thing you got at Mike was sacrifice, Um, and I, I mentioned a little. The Old Testament and New Testament are also very clear that God is not manipulated. In fact, again and again, God is like, yes, you're doing all the sacrifices and bringing the right offerings. You're like, you're doing things by the book. But I don't care about that. I don't want your sacrifices. Because your heart is is far from me. Um, And Jesus in the New Testament makes clear again and again, his grace is only given freely. It's never bargained for or earned. People are always turned away when they try to do that. Um, And I think this is a big difference. And I think it's something that even Christians historically, and especially currently in America, easily fall into. Kind of that country music theology of like, hey preacher, I put that $20 in the plate um that just as God is not the work of human hands, and right what's manipulated man your hand it's to to play with something with your hands um is uh um God is not manipulated by us, and so that relation yeah that relationship um is biblically very different than how we often think of it, and I still will find myself falling into this of. Of in prayer I fall into bargaining. Now keep in mind, Abraham, we will have this coming Sunday, uh, at least in our lectionary, um, Abraham's going to kind of bargain with God over Sodom and Gomorrah. What if there's 50? What if there's 40? That's not the kind of bargaining I'm, I'm talking about. But I will find myself in prayer at times. You know, Lord, if you could just help me out with this, I'm going to be doing this and that and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I think this creator, creature, We're in his image, not vice versa, not manipulated is an important thing for people to understand about Christianity and God in general. And I think that's also, hopefully later, Mike, you can unpack it more, very much tied to the incarnation because the reason we cannot manipulate God is God is is not an idea and he's not the work of our hands. He's an actual person, right? right, with flesh and blood. And is a will and a soul and all these things. Uh, I'll throw it to either of you guys.
1: Yeah, I think um, that idea of uh, manipulation and talking about uh, unique in the American setting, I think some of that comes with the with that whole planning part and while well, it's, it's God's plan or it's God's will or this happened so it must have been God's will and I think some of that or I just have to, I have to you know, God, God must have placed this upon my heart because it was his will. You know, all of that sort of stuff. Kind of like of that
0: stuff. Roman religion, that, like that desire to be able to divine yes. things or to, yes. to read the skies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right,
1: exactly. And, I mean, you see some of that, I think, too, as a way that, you know, again, you're looking into, looking looking at things the way God has not really laid them out and I think that that is um, again kind of that idea of somewhat of a uniquely American challenge I think in this manipulation of God thing and I think you know one other thing that you kind of touched on which I think is very important to our understanding of God is that idea that God is an actual personal being right Um, which is which is so fundamental, I think, to our understanding of God and the Western mindset of God that um, we maybe don't realize that that's a pretty, you know, radical thing and that, um, you know, God is not the force of Star Wars, right? You know, or or God is... Spirit in the sky, as the song says. Yeah, yeah, the spirit in the sky. God is not, um, God is not, is not his creation, right? The idea that God is separate from creation, I think, you know, Mike mentioned we're maybe not at, at a polytheistic type of uh, situation yet in our culture. But um, in some ways, I think, you know, we're getting much more pagan, which and and a lot of paganism, you know, is the, the whole idea of, you know, na- um, nature and the worship of nature and the cycle of nature and, all, and the fact that, you know, in that there are divine things going on in that. I think you're seeing that much more, I think, nowadays than what you ever did, uh, certainly a generation ago, um, and probably not even that long ago, right? Um, and, you know, along with that, I think comes that, you know, you hear a lot more to this talk of, um, in pop culture, whether it's, you know, on, you know, television programs or that type of thing, or, or social media or stuff, you know, this idea of, well, the the universe the universe, um, the universe, clearly wanted me to have, and that that again, that whole idea of you're just substituting the universe for what people would have said as God, you know, um, a generation or two before that, you know. So so again, this idea that understanding that God is separate from His creation, God is a actual personal being. Um, he's not just you know the oneness of the universe he's not just a force or just a, a vague concept reason. of spirit or reason or all those things we kind of maybe just make that a assumption because that's the way the western mindset has often looked at god um at or least for centuries and millennia even some in
0: christianity have been tempted to like deal with modernity by like Okay, we're still gonna have some sort of God. We don't wanna Yeah. But to to have God become less personal, Mm -hmm. more grounded in the movement of the stars and and the seasons.
2: Yeah, the movement from like a either pantheism pantheism, polytheism, monotheism, deism did not actually end in atheism as a whole for a culture, although it's certainly there. But it actually reverts back to either a pantheism or a polytheism. Yeah. Because uh, you can't you can't just get rid of the the enchantment of this world. Yeah. Right? You can't get... Y- y- if you really are going talk ag- to talk without a concept of God, you lose the soul, and then all those soul words. You can't really talk about love. Right. Because that's a soul thing, right? So um, all the virtues go aside, morality goes aside, and... Actually uh, Michael, love is just uh, neurons in your brain. Right. right.
1: You know? yeah. Lots of so, chocolate does the same thing. Yeah, that's that's right. right, yeah. It's yeah. all right. Um, <laughs> you
2: brought about you were making the point about creation the creator being separate from the creation, that, that's that's a game changer, and then the other game changer is that then he becomes the creation, mm-hmm. right? Those are the two yes. that just are so unique and And keep going with that but that's yeah, I think a theme for us to hit on.
0: He's he's outside of us, but at the same time that outside of us is the first step towards there is an inter- internal internal aspect that will then come. But yeah. yeah, and you're getting at that with this move here.
2: So we've talked a lot about this, you know, like the sacraments and the incarnation and, the, and the, 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 the creative power of the word, all those kinds of things. Those are not just, oh, that's what the Bible says. Those are things that really do fight against, as you said, modernity, which, which is going to split that, that physical from the spiritual and what a great opportunity especially for lutherans but i think also what we call classical christians when it comes to a sacramental nature of their of their religion of their of their christianity right that this is this is why we downplayed baptism for a long time and this is why it's actually coming you know is is more it's, it's on our lips more now right uh same way with vocation right i just was teaching um summer quarter in omaha for a group of pastors and on vocation and multiple times we had people say why didn't we hear this term vocation i said i I can't prove this but i'm pretty sure it's because we're we're in modernity and and now we're we're out of that and those those physical things actually matter to us and telling stories about how even in grad school at an evangelical school that's what they were wrestling with this incarnational kind of thing um, it plays out in liturgy. It plays out in sacramental. But it also plays out in the mission of the church and those kinds of things. And, and we, we other- see that in debates,
0: just briefly, even think of all the debates about sexuality in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in some ways, their progress in the sense that we're to the point that we're saying those things actually do matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, as opposed to just this, like, strict science... The body's just you know a makeup of this, and it's just right. it's going to rot in the ground like there's now this Im- imbuing of material things that can be both dangerous but can be helpful mm-hmm. you know?
2: yeah yeah that's a whole you know how much is that is gnostic and how much of that actually is helpful that you're thinking about okay, I'm not just my body, I'm something else well what the, is that something else soul you can go down the, the wrong direction and and you're still separating the soul from the body right and it's complicated the other thing about. The creator and the creation being separate is, I think that was one of the fundamental reasons that that uh, what we what they called natural philosophy, what we would call the, the the hard sciences today, really flourished in the Christian West. Not that it did not exist elsewhere, but just just think about it. I I don't ex- if I think that if I think that the tree is imbued with some sort of spirituality not in the way we would think about it like all living things have a and we're talking about the physical and spiritual coming in a in incarnational way for a pantheist or whatever it, it would be more like there's a there's a god in the tree there's a god in the hills mm-hmm. there's a god and stuff like that
1: or if not a god the god underly, force under
2: under yeah uh, you know little you know the, think about all the spark fairy, of divinity yeah, all the all the fairy tales of the of the you know the 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 little what are the baby spirits out in the forest and like fairies animals? yeah something like knock on
0: wood yeah. you scare them away
2: yeah, from right, yeah. all of those kinds of things you would not yeah. expect to find repeated um things in nature if they're imbued with something not necessarily has a free will but is not bound by the laws of nature so if i look out and i say that tree is growing instead of saying why is that tree grown more than the tree there instead of giving a supernatural answer to that um i would i would actually say maybe it's the soil maybe it's the sun maybe it's the amount of water so i don't i wouldn't it sounds simple but I think it's quite profound that you are not going to ex- you're not going to expect to find repeated things in nature to learn what the laws of nature are let alone run experiments if you think that everything's imbued with some sort of supernatural force. So that's really a game changer the separation of the creator from the from the creation and, and quite frankly you know if you're you're not going to you're not going to dissect an animal if you think it's maybe the reincarnation of, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I mean, there, there's, yep. there. It, it's kind of weird because at least they had a sense of sacredness in the world, but because they couldn't differentiate between the creator and the creation, there was not there. There was a little bit of a um, uh, something that worked against progress, what we call scientific progress. The opposite of that is that everything is material, right? And, then, and so we're at an interesting time now where we're trying to put back the spiritual with, with the creation. And How does that get played out? And some of it is getting played out in our culture, right? In a, in a we would say, an unhelpful and sinful way. But I still am quite uh, um, optimistic about our time right now I'm not one to say the world's going to hell in a handbasket and because uh, America's not fill-in-the-blank anymore, but rather quite optimistic because at least we're thinking about spiritual things. And that's our home turf. Our home turf was not, was not policy and politics.
1: Right? Right. Yeah. Um, Can I just yep. add one comment? I think, too, that idea of you know, natural philosophy or whatever, that idea that to recognize that that is not that is not the creator the or divine spark type of or type of thing that god is separate from that and yet all of those things have the fingerprints of the creator all over it right that the fingerprints of god are all over it and you know by studying those things and digging into those you know what what glimp you know what might you glimpse of that and and i think that's you know again it's not divinity itself or not god himself but those things bear the mark of god's wisdom and design i don't think it's wrong to as
2: the as the medievals thought about there are two books there's the book right. of nature and there's the book of revelation knowing full well though that i i, I only have a an outline from yeah. the book of nature and i certainly cannot get the gospel from nature yeah.
1: but it's to to say very limited
2: yeah but to say that i can't know anything about who god is Um, I think would be, from from natural law and even from nature, I think is going too far. Mm -hmm. And I think St. Paul's on my side with that. Yeah, I think you're
1: right. Um, And the psalmist.
0: (laughs) And to hit on this, maybe, and twist a little, um, and I I think, you know, you guys kind of hit on it. Wallace has that, um, David Foster Wallace has that quote of, right, you have to worship something otherwise, Mm -hmm. right. Um, He's kind of talking about God, right, that you... You have to have something like that. Otherwise, whatever you worship will eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and you're expecting something that is not divine to act divine for you, and you you're will be disappointed. You're going ruin it and yourself. Things, yeah. So there's this necessary turn
0: outside of ourselves when we recognize who God is according to the Christian scriptures, and I would say um, to some degree according to nature. So he's God outside of us. And already in that step, in that recognition, a lot of progress um, humanly speaking can be made um, even if I'm not quite to the point of understanding who the Christian God is if I understand he's outside of me I'm probably going to be building a better culture and society right um, mm-hmm. but that's not the end goal <clears throat> so he's outside of me and he's separate he's other yet he is near right um, and and so right even Moses who so often is stressing this unapproachability of God and his holiness um and God by the law well we'll say my words are near to you right they're they're inside you uh they're not far from you It's a God who is at the same time near, and I think that leads us uh to the incarnation and I think um this is uh, probably one of the least appreciated aspects of God in the modern West, and especially in America, and I would say not intentionally so, but people just, I think, A, can quickly forget that Jesus is the most complete revelation of God we have. right? He's God in the flesh. But B... We are in America, we have imbibed um, from the same spring as Henry Ford, whose automobiles I still appreciate greatly, <laughs> you know, who said history is bunk. And so, even if we do get there's an incarnation and there's a Jesus of history who had real flesh and real DNA, was from a real place, spoke a real language, had real ethnicity, we can still, as Mike said earlier, the temptation is is to remake him as a god um in the flesh uh, in our in our image right um now I'm not saying no church can have stained glass where Jesus looks like the people in that historically in that area I'm fine with korean jesus german jesus um I don't know what I'm trying to think of. Uh, Zimbabwe and Jesus, whatever, if that helps make the point that Jesus became one of us. But um, there's a fine line between that and Jesus draped in a flag or Jesus sharing the same cultural values by default and things like that. Um, so he's other but near, but he's not near in a way um, that... Any one place, time, culture outside of when he actually came can um can claim him, right? And so there's the first weakness, once again, is we can sometimes forget God, Jesus is the most clear revelation of who God is. I think we default to the Father, Spirit, yeah. whatever. <clears throat> but secondly, that he was a historical person. Um. And almost no responsible atheist will deny anymore that no. Jesus was a historical person. They might deny aspects of the Jesus accounts, <coughs> but that he was a historical person. You're just not a good historian mm-hmm. um, if you're going to deny that. But if he was a historical person, means that we need to recognize that. Um, and so to understand Jesus who has um, the Jesus who is still near, he's flesh and blood, and he comes... With body and blood on the altar, and he's, he's present with us, where two or three are gathered in his name, he still <clears throat> the revelation of him um, was at a particular time and place. and I think we sometimes forget that um, which puts us at a uh, at risk of um of falling right back into I feel like we were just saying again and again like about falling back into paganism, but it it really does. Put you at risk of that. I mean, in many ways, Christianity in America is quickly becoming a civic religion or a civil religion. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think with that, a couple of things with that too. I think, you know, especially thinking of, you know, Christ as the clearest, you know, um clearest example of God, of who God is <coughs> and how God deals with His people. um I think it it tells you a couple of key thoughts. I think it tells you that. Number one, God wants to deal with us, right? He wants to interact. He's social. Right. He's social. He wants, and he wants us to relate with him, right? And, and again, not just for here and now or in this moment, but for eternity. And then I think the other thing that is kind of a fascinating thing that you learn about that, um, is that God chooses to hide himself and God chooses to interact with us through means, right? Um, In that he could do so many different things. He could come in so many different ways. And yet, the fact that he hides himself in human flesh, the fact that, you know... But
0: Isaiah says there was no beauty in him. Right, yep. Jesus didn't look, like, special. Yeah. He looked like any other human being. Mm -hmm.
1: And then the fact that, you know, he, he interacts through word and then, you know, you could point to to the um, the means of you know the sacrament word connected to these elements and how how that's the case. I mean, it. I think that's something too that, um, again is something that you learn of God, uh, and, and I mean it's there already in the beginning. I mean, you see the 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 hints of that in Genesis, mm-hmm. but you know it really comes to the forefront with, with the coming of Christ. Right? There's no denying that that you know God wants to deal with his people this is how God deals with his people and yet instead of appearing in all of his glory as he as he is and has every right to do he hides himself in human flesh he hides himself in weakness <laughs> and he approaches with simple simple things yep. rather as than as he did when he yep. came
0: and I would say there lest I have been misunderstood before what I'm saying is the same Jesus who came and and took on flesh and was and did everything in the gospels. That's the same Jesus who's near now. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, And so to understand that Jesus who is near now is to understand that Jesus as he was revealed then, if that makes sense. I'm mm-hmm. not claiming like there's some. Um...
1: Well, and maybe that you, know, you see that consistency from God really all the way through the pages of scripture and down to the present day as well. Right. I mean that, the God who chose to do this at the very beginning is the same God who chose to do this with the coming of Christ and the fulfilling the plan. And is the same God who comes to us still today, right? That, that idea of that's who God is and how he chooses to deal with us, whom he wants to deal with as, you know, um, and and as he wants to relate or have that relationship with us you know so so i think those are those are things too where you know again and maybe that's something that we don't just want to assume right that we should state that yeah that's the same same god that was there at the beginning same god that was there walking you know on uh two sandaled feet by the sea of galilee same god interacting with us today um he's he's the same
0: And maybe if I can throw this out, and then I'll throw it to you guys, and then you can hit on this, and then we'll wrap up. So connected to this, we just had this last Sunday, the Mary and Martha account for the Holy Gospel, and then the Old Testament lesson was um, God appearing to Abraham by the oak trees, right? Now, how do you guys say that word? I've heard it different ways.
1: Oaks of Mamre. That's how I would say it. That's
0: how I said you. Okay. Um, And so I preached um, at Pilgrim. And I used um, as a handout uh, Rublev's Trinity icon, where also called the Hospitality of Abraham. But um, Luther points out that God speaks to the three men or three angels that appear as one. And this is, this is Yahweh, this is the Lord, this is Jehovah. Um, <coughs> so the church fathers see this as the Trinity appearing to, to Abraham. But what's so neat about that icon is you have the three um, pictured as the Trinity and they're staring at each other, but their faces are also facing us. Um, and there's an open seat at the table, right? And I think this gets to the, the social nature of God. And this, again, will be where there's a big difference between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Um, Judaism and Islam will look at Christianity and go, that's not monotheism. And Christians will say, no, there's one God. Jesus says that, I and the Father, are one. Um, and yet, God has revealed himself. As one God and three persons. And with those persons having like chief tasks identified with them. um, Think of if we speak of the of the creed. Um, And so the notion of Trinity really drives home the social nature of God. That God does not exist in and of himself simply for himself. But he wills to exist for us. Um, and I would say connected to that then, and um, Mike, you're usually pretty good at unpacking this, we can talk about, in that God reveals to him that way, um, proper and alien works of God. Right? Um, I think a lot of people who are angry at notions of God in our society, and Mike, you would deal with this more apologetically, but they're angry at a God that they see as primarily wrath. Unfair. He's a judge. Um and there's been times in the church's history where this is the predominant picture of God, whether Luther was very scrupulous and maybe playing that up some, or that was um the predominant theme he found in his area in the Middle Ages, um probably somewhere in between. <clears throat> but uh that God in his incarnation, and then God in his um his being as trinity has in both instances i would argue revealed himself um his proper work is mercy right um and that that is um the main thing he wants us to know about him i'll throw it to you guys do you think i'm wrong on that do you think most people just think god is mercy and love and he just will go along with everything um <clears throat> What's, I think the how does Trinity yeah, help? I, mean? I think the
2: the thoughtful person is the thoughtful person who rejects Christianity is going to say God is unfair. Even in His grace, He is unfair. This concept of grace that someone... because some get it and yeah, others don't. Yeah, but those or or we hear a lot like just because someone doesn't believe in you, you're going to send them to hell. Well, they misunderstanding that it's. Um, you've lost that original righteousness and God is trying to give it back to you, right? That's how you frame that 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 argument. But to the unthinking person living a upper-middle-class lifestyle in a Western culture, you could see somebody who could just see God as love, but without the law, God as love is sort of just shallow, right? God's my friend mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. So... Yeah, but the alien and proper work is necessary especially for suffering that God's doing his alien work on you so that he can do his proper work on you.
1: Yeah, and I would maybe the the only and I would say this is I would agree with you with maybe a minor um tweak of language. I think maybe I I would prefer the term grace to mercy just because of the different connotations maybe that come with grace and mercy and love. I think that if you're if you're Honing those words to their finest definition, um, which they all kind of—they all fit in the same sure. category. But I—I I think I think I would I would like to say grace over mercy, and that mercy implies that God is mi- perhaps reacting to our wretchedness, well, that makes right? Sense. Yeah. Um, and and I would say that. The better word is grace in that God is prompted only by what is within himself, right? That God is choosing to act this way because he's God and this is what he chooses to do. And that's where, that's where I would maybe say that grace, I think, captures that perhaps just a little bit better at its finest point. But yes, I agree with, with, your, with, what, you're, with what you're saying that, that, yeah, this is what God is about dealing with us in love and compassion and mercy and grace
0: and maybe just connected to that God is kind of the rule giver or the judge or dare I say the killjoy um and maybe Mike I'll let you wrap this up with us because um we talk about this a lot with human flourishing um the far from being any of those things that just as God is creative he has made us to be creative and has given us this creation um to enjoy it uh so god is not in and of himself only in our human misconstructions an obstacle um to living life mm-hmm. and to joy and to flourishing um but god is the one who wills that for us and gives us the means but i'll let you unpack that and then yeah, I mean, it's
2: just a, it's it, the, the symbol helps here right especially
0: god. teenagers sometimes need to hear this yeah like uh
2: my sinful nature looks at the Ten Commandments and God is an angry prude. But my, who I am, ultimately the saint, looks at that and says, God is protecting a good gift for, for me, right? He is the exact opposite of, of prison making. He wants to free us, right? Um, so uh, he's the exact opposite of trying to keep physical gifts from us he's actually the giver right so and th- there's to wrap it up unless you, you guys have anything else um, i mean to yeah, wrap yeah, it up ahead. i mean he this is where we 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 ground our podcast a- in in the concept of freedom right that god has freed us from all these false gods that we've made up of, oursel- uh, of ourselves of ourselves and freedom. for ourselves and um all of those gods uh are will all end up in law and and uh, will destroy us. So he is trying to free us from that so we can flourish for now and eternity. So it's it's finally about the gospel and the freedom of the gospel. So, dear listeners, let the bird fly. sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry, I don't care what the people are thinking, I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker, I set him up another round, I set him up another round, I set him up another round, one more round won't get me down.